Good morning, Vineyard. Uh, Pastor Ryan didn't tell me how long I'm going, so I hope you packed your lunch. <laughs> it's such a great honor to be here this morning. And yesterday we were connecting with some of the leaders, and it was amazing to see what God is doing here in Florence. I hope you can understand my accent. Yeah, yesterday when I was greeting different people, Someone said, your accent gives you away. You know, a little bit like that girl who told Peter uh, when he was denying Jesus. You're a Galilean, aren't you? She's like, no, I don't know the man. You speak like one of them. So I hope it's going to be okay on that front. I'm here with my lovely, beautiful uh, wife, Ari. Yeah, we've been uh, just checking up on a few friends. We haven't been to the U.S. since 2019, so we're like, okay. And now we have new friends in Florence, so it's such a blessing. And we're also here with one of our disciples, uh, Pastor Jessica Hogan. She'll be planting our first church in the U.S., Worship Harvest U.S.A., Amen. She's been in Uganda three years in worship service. Once you hang around three years, it's a bit like Jesus and his disciples. Three years and you become a pastor. So she came. Uh, you came 20, 2020, right? Yeah, she came to Uganda in 2020. And now we are sending her back as a missionary to America. Amen. Now, those of you who are not excited, it's okay. I'm excited. So, okay, no, not really like that. So thank you, thank you so much for being here and thank you uh, so much uh, for having us. Uh, Pastor Ryan, we, had, we shared a great time and they've been feeding us quite a bit. I, 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 I have a new way to tell this story. In America, it's one long meal with breaks. Yeah. Here you don't eat. You, you don't like go to lunch or go to... No, you have one long meal and then you take a break and then it continues. So what an abundance. I hope you're enjoying it, right? Now, those of you who are too serious, seriousness is not a gift of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't say for the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, seriousness, no, 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 no. In fact, most of you, when you go to heaven, you'll be shocked at how happy God is. You'll be like, huh? What a shock. Because you probably grew up with a picture of God holding a baseball bat, looking for whom to devour. That's the devil, not God, okay? <laughs> so you can relax and enjoy church. Uh, Bible says in Isaiah 12, 3, with joy, you draw water from the wells of salvation. With joy, with joy. You, you, did you see how Lucas was going at it here? Oh my goodness. I was like, that guitar needs a wireless transmitter. <laughs> That's joy. And you know, it says in Nehemiah 8, 10, uh, it says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. So when you lose joy, it's possible to rejoice always. Because someone is going to tick you off. Yeah. For those of us who are pastors, we know that 
almost always the quarrel comes on Saturday night or Sunday morning when you have ministry coming up. So at some point we realize, mm, there's something here. So, but in the Lord, we can rejoice always. Amen. Look, even in America, you need joy. So don't look at me like that, like joy. Who's joy? Yeah, we need joy. That's not my topic, but, you know, I feel like we need to set some ground rules before I preach. Yeah, some people are too serious for their own goodness. The Old Testament has since passed, so you can't come and say, I'm Isaiah. No, we will not believe you. Amen. Uh, Pastor Ryan, I have some really cool thing to celebrate, and I thought I would celebrate it with the people here at Vineyard. You know that thing that we usually do back home, how we announce all, how many people gave their lives to Christ in that week? And for a long time, we've always had somewhere between 500 and 1,000 people give their lives to Christ a week in our movement because we have... Yeah, amen. This brother here gets it because that's exactly what happens in heaven when one sinner comes to Christ. There's a hectic celebration. Now, this happens because our missional communities, which would be the equivalent of your house groups, they go out and each one is encouraged to lead one person to Christ a week and there are 1,200 missional communities. Now, what happened in this week, something extremely extraordinary happened. Because in addition to our usual efforts of the mission of communities, we sent out 14 teams to go to 14 different cities to do evangelism and revive the churches that we have there. And this week, 5,150 people gave their lives to Jesus. 5,000. 150 people. Now, Vineyard Florence, if you can help me, get up on your feet and celebrate Jesus, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, because only he can do that. And you know what? I'm believing for him to do the same right here, right here in America, right here in Florence, that one day, as your pastor stands here, I will be telling you the numbers of who gave their lives to Christ and the number will just keep going up and up and up and up because God is faithful. Amen. You can have your seats. All right, let's get into the scripture called to serve. That's what I would like to share about this today. Uh, Matthew 16, 13. Uh, I'll just go straight into the text since I've already used up my story time telling you other things. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, can you see that? Okay. He asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? So he said, you know, he was always walking with his disciples. So one time he asked them, who out there, what's the word on the street? Who do people say that I am? Right? It's interesting that he used the term son of man. Son of man. Okay. Are you used to the preacher walking around? Okay. Because I mean, people may be like, this is going to result into neck pain by the time it's done. 
So he, he asks, who do people say that I am? But he, he used the term son of man. All right, son of man. You know, it's amazing when you realize that Jesus, when he walked on the earth during his ministry, he wasn't necessarily operating as God. He was operating as a, a man. That's why the Bible says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. If he was operating as God, he would not need to be anointed with the Holy Spirit. Now, he did not cease to be God. He was still God, but he subjected himself to everything we experience as human beings. And so he needed to pray. Can you imagine Jesus prayed? Fasting? What a shock. You know, I found out that fasting is not one of my spiritual gifts. Someone is getting that. Yeah. And right after I found out it's not one of my spiritual gifts, then the Lord told me, now you go fast. Right? Ah. Jesus needed to pray. Jesus needed to fast. Jesus made disciples. Jesus got hungry. Hungry, not angry. He also got angry. He was subjected to everything that we experience, and yet he lived a life above it because he trusted his father. So even in this, he's asking, who do people say that I, the son of man, I am? And then he started saying, some people say you are John the Baptist. You've come back to life. Some say you are Elijah. Others, Jeremiah. One of the prophets. You know, there's a whole big religion in the world for whom Jesus is one of the prophets. They are willing to accept him as one of the prophets. Ah, oh, Jesus, that, that was a great prophet. Other people, they say he was a great teacher. One of the greatest teachers in history. Others say he was a guru. Guru. Uh, like someone, some deep guy who knows things. And so many opinions ex exist about Jesus. And everyone is entitled to their own opinion. Someone said opinions are like noses. Everyone, everyone has one and usually has a couple of holes in it. <laughs> then Jesus turns to them and says, but who do you? Say that I am. Let's first forget what the word on the street is about me. How about you? How about you, Moses? How about you, Ram? How about you, Sarah? Who am I to you? Ah. There must have been a little bit of tension there when everyone is looking at each other saying, what's the right answer? Then Peter, who had a permanent case of foot-in-mouth disease. <laughs> it's a great gift when you can say things before thinking. It's not always good. But he answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. You are the Messiah. 
You are the son of God. You are the one the whole world has been waiting for. You're the one we've been waiting for. You are God. Wow. Amen. And you know, all of us, we have to take that journey from what do people say Jesus is to the point where you say yourself, not someone else saying for you, that you are the Christ. You are the anointed one. You are the son of God. For the Bible says to those who received him, John 1, 12, those who believed him, he gave the right to become children of God. It is our acknowledgement of his sonship that gives us access to God as a father. You know, a lot of people are going to hell. I don't know how popular that is in America anymore. For receiving Jesus as many other things other than the one thing, you are the son of God. Because God is a creator, God is good, God is all of that, God is a healer. But is Jesus the son of God? That's the question. That's the question. And that's the question I put to you as well. Who is Jesus to you? You see, everyone has their own journey and experience with God. But a person with an experience is not at the mercy of a person with an opinion. Many people have opinions about Jesus. But when you have an experience, when you've seen the miracles he does, oh my goodness. When I was about 18 years old, maybe 18, 19, I need to remember. Mm, yeah, 19. I was in my high school, and I was in the last year of high school. And the next step was going to college. Now, at that time in our country, there were only a couple of universities. And I applied to go and do a course for which they used to take very few students in only one university in the whole country. That was architecture. So to go become an architect, there was only one university, and they used to take about 20 students a year from all over the country. So I applied for that course. The only problem is my grades were so bad. Yeah, like bad, bad. And the principal subject that I needed to pass very highly was mathematics. And mathematics was walloping me. So what they do back home, they give you what, like a test uh, exam before the final national exam. And in that test exam, math was my worst subject. Yeah, they grade the subjects with letters. I got an O. And the O is just one below, like one point. Like you are that close to failure. Below that is total failure. And this was in my most important subject with only three months to go. So that's how bad things were. So I'm like, okay. Without faith, it is possible to please God. I guess we are going to still apply. 
So I apply, and I'm planning on this last-minute catch-up, which did not materialize. Why? My mother died two weeks to the final exams. Yeah. And that's having lost my, my dad when I was much younger. And being the last of six children, I was mama's boy. I was as mama's boy as you can get. And she died. Disaster was designed to take me down. I went into those exams fully trusting God. I was like, you know what, Jesus? I've believed you all my life. Now, now it's now it's time. Now you have to show up. Now, I don't have enough time to tell you the details, but when the results came back, I was the fourth best student in the whole country. Now, I hope you're clapping for God. Yeah, if you're clapping for God, you'd better real do it. Because I can tell you, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to know that I had nothing to do with that result. <laughs> Zero. <laughs> I walked into my first year class at college, class architecture. They had raised the numbers a little bit. There were about 25. And six of the 25 students had been in the top 10 category in the country. When that thing happened, I went, I, I was living sort of in a rural area where my mom's house was. I went to town the next day and bought a newspaper and saw my name there. And I folded it and I put it in my wallet. And it is still in my wallet today, even now. Wallets have come and gone. That paper has stayed because it reminds me that Jesus is not some idea. He's not some philosophy. Peter said we, we have not come up with cunningly crafted fables. He's personal to me. Amen. So Peter says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Now, this is something that most of the world has not said yet. They are still wondering who to call Jesus. Others don't know. Others have never heard of the gospel. The world is 8 billion people. Probably only 1 billion of those really believe in Jesus. So we have some work on our hands. But how does that happen? It's in what Jesus told Peter in response to his confession. Do you want to see what he told Peter? Do you want to see what he told Peter? Are you sure? Give me the next verse. So Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon the Jonah, which is Simon son of Jonah. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. This, you haven't come to this conclusion through research. 
He says, but my father who is in heaven. Verse 18 is very critical. It's the one I want us to really think about. And I also say to you. Hmm? Peter tells Jesus, you are the Messiah. Jesus tells Peter, I also say to you. that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hate shall not prevail against it. Yeah. You are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Let me have Pastor Ari join me briefly to demonstrate something. Who do you want to be? J Peter. And I'm Jesus. That seems more appropriate. <laughs> so Peter tells Jesus, uh -huh. oh, on the mic, these people need to believe it. Now, we are acting this out. Okay, Don't go out there saying, they bought some crazy guy from Africa. He thinks he's the Christ. You are the Christ. Ah. Bless, are you Ari? <laughs> Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. I also say, then he changes the name. You are Peter. You are a rock. And on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So on one side, one is saying, you're the Christ. And this one is saying, you're the rock. You're the Christ. You're the rock. You're the Christ. You're the rock. You can, can't see it. I just wanted people to see a beautiful girl. <laughs> Think about that. You're the Christ. You're the rock. You're the Christ. You're the rock. You're the Christ. You're the rock. You're the Christ. You're the rock, man. Ah, what is Jesus saying? Upon your confession of salvation, the business is not over. There is more to happen, which is God wants to build his church on your confession. Ever since you came to Christ, have you always looked at yourself as someone upon whom the Lord is building his church? Because he said, I will build my church. But where? How is Jesus going to build his church? On people. The church is people. The church is not the building. It is the people. And how does he build his church? When you, the one who, got, who received Christ, you go out and start raising other people through discipleship. That's how he builds his church. I had the opportunity yesterday to meet uh, Pastor Barry, the pastor who founded this church, right? Yeah. Now, you see, he went beyond I am saved to 
God, you can build on me. And he came here and started this church. And as a result, you are all enjoying this community of believers because someone went beyond simply believing. Every believer is called to serve. Oh, yes. Thank you for that thunderous applause. <laughs> Every believer, not just the pastors, not just the house group leaders, not just those on staff, as long as you've made a confession that he's the Christ, he's telling you, I'm building my church on you. And stop being a dodgy foundation. Shifting foundation. Christ is trying to build on you, but you're always, you know, something's happening. No, God is looking for stable people who can disciple people. The movement we lead has 1,239 missional communities. 1,239. I don't know why in America you don't like the 1,000 conversation. Those are 1,239 rocks that have availed themselves for God to build this church on them. Because those are the people who, who make the church work that we lead. They are the ones who disciple the people. They are the ones who care for the people. They are the ones who take their people out into the community to lead more people to Christ. I'm telling you, if you embrace what I'm telling you, and if the church in America and Africa and everywhere embraces what I'm telling you, we are going to rapidly speed up the advancement of the kingdom of God. I'm telling you, rapidly speed up. Worship Harvest has 25,000 people. 10,000 of them are children. But do you know what I see when I look at, when I think about that, that, those wonderful people? I see 25,000 pastors, disciples. Now, you may not call yourself a pastor, okay? Because now some, when you say pastor, some people, they start getting a headache. <coughs> but you can open your house and make coffee and tell people, my house is available. Let, let's start a house group here. Let's share what God is doing. Let's multiply. Amen. The house groups in this church are going to multiply rapidly. Yeah, after this message, because none of my words fall to the ground. Look, unless you choose to be an exception, but there's no church I've visited and they didn't grow. I'm not saying that to boast or anything. I'm just telling you that what I and what people tell me after. And I usually go and crack my jokes and you know, we have coffee and go. And then later like, oh, we've doubled groups, missional communities, evangelism. We are planting other churches. It happens all the time and I refuse you to be an exception. And don't even give me that idea of it works over there in Africa. No, our church is not a rural church. We are as urban as you are. Yeah, I hope you come to visit us soon. And don't make it like Jesus is soon, you know. We're still waiting. 
So don't tell yourself, this is America. No, the Bible wasn't written for Africans. It was written for everyone. You are the Christ. You are the rock. That's why this St. Peter writes, I think it's First Peter 2.5. I don't know if they have that scripture, but I can read it for you. First Peter 2, oops, when you're best, yeah, First Peter 2, 5. You also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You also as living stones, living rocks. So you see that Peter understands that what Jesus told him doesn't apply to only him. It applies to every one of us. Christ called him the rock. The one that Christ called the rock, he also calls us rocks. Living rocks. You know when Jesus told Peter, I also say you are Peter and on this rock, he didn't immediately become a stone. He remained a human being. But from that time on, his responsibilities changed. You know, when you come to Christ and accept him as Lord and Savior, your responsibilities change. You immediately become a person on whom God is trying to build his church. I have accepted that for myself, and I want you to accept that for yourself. You may not lead a church like this, but you can lead something. You can serve. You can lead a house group. You can lead a team. You can do something every day to advance the kingdom. Refuse to be a consumer of spiritual goods. Yeah. Your whole economy is built on consumers. Refuse to be Please, be a consumer of everything else, you know. Go to Walmart and blow away. <clears throat> but when it comes to church, church is not spiritual Walmart. In here, you are a living stone. A living stone. There's a man called David Livingstone. He went to Africa to preach the gospel. He died there trying to bring the light of Jesus to what was then called the dark continent. Please, it's no longer a dark continent. It's a very bright continent, as you can see. <laughs> but his name is so prophetic. David Livingstone. A living stone upon whom the Lord... You see, Pastor Ari, you see her here, seated quietly. She leads our biggest campus. Her campus has 3,000 people. Yeah. Because, you know, she wasn't always like that. She used to be the pastor's wife who sits at the back. Ah, what a shock. This is our own testimony. It was, I mean, I had to hold on. I was like, Lord, one day convert this beauty into a woman of God. And he did. She now leads a church with 3,000 people. 
Yeah. She, she has given herself to be a rock. Now, she, she became a Christian when she was young. But all those years of being a Christian, she hadn't yet offered herself to become a Peter. She was still a Simon Bajonah. Maybe you are still here and you're Simon Bajona and God is telling you today, it's time to become a Peter. It's time to become a rock upon which I will build my church. I know this is a wonderful church to serve, to grow, to multiply. Vineyard Florence. Your responsibility is the city of Florence. Not just who you see in here. How's that going to happen? By every one of us. Can you imagine what would happen if all the people here today went out and decided to make 10 disciples? And you know, to make disciples, you're going to find them not saved. Yeah. Many times we think you start disciples those who are saved. No. When you were sending up saying, go make disciples, where are they going to find saved people? They were going to find non-believers. To make disciples, you start with non-believers. So don't make the mistake of thinking that discipleship starts with believers. And they are in the malls, they are everywhere, in your neighborhood, they are in your phone book. And I challenge you this week to write down 10 people who are your love target, who you're going to pray for this year to see them come into the kingdom. Just 10. Please don't be selfish. Eternal life is eternal. Just write down 10 people in your phone book, in your notes app that you're praying for every day. And as you pray, God will even bring more people to your, to your awareness. Because prayer is the first step to bring people into the kingdom. All the arguments don't work. It's a spiritual thing. The Bible says people's eyes are closed. So you're telling them, go this way, but they can't see. You have to pray for them for their eyes to be opened. For those who like a practical takeout from church, 10 people in your notes app, call them your, what do I call mine? Remind me the name. Huh? Yeah, love list. We have what we call love lists. People you're loving into the kingdom. <coughs> Can you imagine if we all had a love list of 10? Oh, my goodness. It's going to work. And by the way, because I'm not the pastor here and so I'm going, <clears throat> I can't say what I want. You will not find me to stone me. And there even no stones. <clears throat> by the way, if you choose not to do it, God will raise someone else who will do it. Yeah, God is going to get his work done with or without your participation. When Saul thought he could lead Israel on his own terms, God raised another person. God is not short of people. So, it's a privilege to be called a rock, to be the one on whom God wants to build. Amen. As I conclude, I usually have three conclusions. This is conclusion one. Just fair warning, you know, people like, I thought he was concluding. Ah, Jessica, she's here. She's decided to be a Peter also. To say, God, build on me. 
Yeah. I was asking her. She already has like disciples scattered all over the US. I don't know how she's going to gather them into a church. But God has blessed her with. She has, he has anointed her for the task so it will happen. You remember when uh, Peter, the one who is supposed to be the rock, told his friends after Jesus had been crucified and resurrected, I'm going fishing. So they go fishing, and then they catch nothing. And while they are there, Jesus is walking on the shore and says, Children, have you got any bread? And they can't quite figure out who he is. So he tells them, cast the net on the other side. They do it. And what happened at the beginning where they caught so much fish happens again. And Peter is like, either Peter or John, it is the Lord. So they go, and he has prepared breakfast. I think they are there having those uh, fish sandwiches, being very coy, not knowing where is this conversation going. The man who sent us has caught us back fishing. And he asks him, he asks Peter, Simon, do you love me? And what did he say? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And what did he tell him? Feed my lambs. You love me? This is how you show it. Feed my lambs. Let your life be about others. That's how you show you love me. Feed my lambs. You know, it's very interesting that in the second and third time of asking, he said, feed my sheep. But the first time he said, feed my lambs. Who feeds lambs? It is sheep. It's sheep feed lambs. Okay. You're getting it. <clears throat> are, you, are you getting it? Like lambs don't eat grass. They drink milk from the mother, from the sheep. And then the next says, feed my sheep. Shepherds take care of sheep, but mother sheep take care of lambs. In terms of feeding. Yeah, the mother sheep may not know how to build a, a shelter for the lamb, but the feeding is down to the mother. So in other words, after you have become a sheep following Jesus, you are expected to feed someone. Are we together? Have you made the confession of Christ? If the answer is yes, Jesus is inviting you to be a person on whom he can build the church. Amen. And if the answer is no, Jesus is inviting you to make the confession to receive him as Lord and Savior. Amen. Why don't we bow our heads and pray? Thank you, Father, for your love, amazing love toward us and to this church. Thank you for our wonderful pastors and pastoral team. Thank you for the children, the teenagers, the young people, the young adults, the older people. Thank you because we are blessed, 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 blessed. Thank you for salvation. I pray for anyone, Lord, here who hasn't yet made that decision, that today will be the day they make the decision to follow you forever. 
and I pray for those who perhaps this is very new information to them. They've always known church as simply a place they go to attend. That they will know that now you're inviting us to be living stones that are part of the building, the temple that you're building, which is the body of Christ. To be active participants and not just passive attenders. We pray that you'll do this, that you'll convict us by your spirit to the glory of your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm going to invite Pastor Ryan. He will help us with the response part. Hey, let's hear it for Atmo. Yeah. Amen, yeah. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. We are going to be a church that sees more multiplication. We're going to be. Um, we receive that in the spirit prophetically and uh, just excitedly. And I just want to encourage you today, where are you in, <clears throat> in, your, in your rock quest? Are you a living stone or are you shifting sand? Because Jesus says that when the storms come, it'll, we'll figure out which one it is. And so I just encourage you today just to um, take an inventory of where you are. Because you know what? The, the thing is, is God will raise up other people, but um, he, he wants it to be us. He wants it to be everyone. He wants everyone, like I said a couple weeks ago, Jesus might have come back a thousand years ago if his church took seriously what he was calling them to. And we want to see God's, God's glory come in its fullness in our lives now. And so I just want to encourage you today, uh, where are you? Uh, maybe you just drifted in here and you're like, I want to be part of that thing he's talking about. If you don't know, if you don't know Jesus, uh, we want to pray for you. Also, if you don't give that much concern through the week to the kingdom, we want to pray for you. Because this is serious business. This is eternity. This is real stuff. This isn't like, there's not like a heaven's porch. There's not like a halfway heaven slash halfway hell. Like the thing that is really going to determine our course is if we said yes to Jesus and yes to Jesus and yes to Jesus and yes to Jesus. And the proof positive that we, that we are his disciples is that we care about what he cared about. So I just want to encourage people today, if you want prayer, don't leave today just kind of half-hearted. Oh, that was another good sermon. This African dude came and shared. That's cool. We got people from other continents coming. Like, it's not cool. It's not just cool. Like, what we're doing, we don't think is cool. What we're doing, we think is a matter of life and death. Cool might have been like going, keeping on with the architecture school and making like millions of dollars. Or cool would have been like if I just kept my job at the bank and make just loads of money and buy the yacht and buy the Mercedes. That's like cool in the eyes of the world. What we're doing, we don't care about cool. We forsook the cool for the rock. This is serious stuff. Does it permeate your entire life? And I know he said the serious joke, but it's, when it comes down to the brass tacks, there is the thing that like the kingdom is amazing and it's joyous and it's peace, but it's a thing that we entered into not halfway. So where's your heart today? Where's your life today? Because um, we're, we are going to build God's kingdom with him because we are living stones. So just bow, just bow your head.
If you've never given your life to Jesus and you're like, I want in, I want in on what Atmo was talking about. What Apostle was Moses, what he was talking about, just raise your hand. If you're like, I want to give my life to Jesus or give my life back to Jesus. If that's you, would you slip your hand up? All right, no one's raised their hand. What that tells me is we seriously need to, I'm great. That's awesome that y'all are in the kingdom. So who's your 10? Who's your love list that needs to come with you next week? Who's on your love list that needs to come to your house group? That next week uh, when Lucas speaks and he asks who wants to give their life to Jesus that we wouldn't have 50 people raise their hands. 5,000 would be better, but we'll take 50. So who are you going to go tell? Who in here would say, I want to be a rock and I've not been doing it? Yeah. Seen a lot of those hands. Yeah. Just kind of doing your own thing half-heartedly and not, not all in on the kingdom. Yeah. All right. Um, rocks. People who want more, stand to your feet. Those who, who just, just raise your hand, stand to your feet. Amen. Father, I just bless, I bless this congregation of people. Lord, I pray that every one of these standing would take that, that top 10, that love list seriously, Lord, and go tell people about you. That, Lord, that we would tell dozens of people this week, and even if only one comes, Lord, that would be amazing. We would see hundreds come to faith next week. Lord, would you just deputize everyone in here by your spirit to change their name and their game from what it is to being rocks, to being living stones upon whom you build your church. We ask you to come, Holy Spirit, fresh wind, fresh fire, fresh passion, compassion, mercy, joy, power, love, healing. We ask you to fall, God. We ask, ask for miracles. I ask for desire. You say no one comes on the Father unless the Spirit draws them. Would you put people on our paths, Lord, that you're drawing and help us to give enough time, to give enough care, to stop for these ones, Lord, that you've given us, to tell them about Jesus Christ, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Would you just move on this house, Lord? Will we see an increase of multiplication, Lord? I just... I just decree even in the spirit that we will have people sitting on the floor in the coming months. That, Lord, you'll pack this place out like Jesus' revolution. That, Lord, that we'll, we're going to have to build a new baptistry that's like the size of a lake because of the, because the unimaginable amount of people that are going to come to Christ because we take your business seriously. We worship you passionately, Lord. We make disciples and we impact the world by going to make more and more disciples. I bless you. I bless you. I bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.